You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all areas of the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you, so sit back and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, and welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast episode 19. I am your host, Austin, and with me as usual is the F.J. Whelan, amazing, bearded <laughs> man himself, Rich LaRusso. <laughs> How you doing, Rich? I, 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 I can't even, I can't even. Uh, I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? I, I just had to grab a bunch of them that I've used in the past and try to cram them all together, and it probably sounded <laughs> terrible, but, you know, I tried, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly uh, still recovering from the Appalachian to- uh, Toyota Roundup. Um, I might have uh, I might have had a beer, just one, and I still feel like I'm hungover, so. Well, I uh, I got home and caught up on my sleep. I am still not caught up on my sleep, so <laughs> had a great time. Got to uh, we got to hang out with a lot of a lot of fun people, and and I don't want to speak for you, but I I know that uh, that it was a big time for me anyway. It, it was great, and I didn't get to meet a fraction of the people I wanted to meet. I, I was really running around like a chicken with my head cut off between the vendors and. And, um, you know, the, the club stuff and just, you know, fooling around, joking around and, and trying to get our, our butts out on the trail. Um, <clears throat> I, I just wish I had gotten to meet so much, so many, many more people. I wish I could talk straight, but, uh, I wish I got to meet some more people too. Yeah. <clears throat> I kind of, pardon me. I kind of went through the, the same thing, but, uh, there, there will be more events and, and hopefully we'll be able to. Hopefully we'll be able to, to do it again and get together and and uh, make things work uh, a little more efficiently. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, and and also we've got you know events coming up this this autumn too that uh, maybe we can maybe we'll see who uh, who we can get to come out and and hang out with us. But uh, how was your uh, how was your ride there and back? Did you was it uneventful? Completely uneventful. Had a good trip up. Good trip home. Uh, no issues whatsoever. Uh, I was a little little aggravated. I we come in off the trails. We we went out and done some trail riding Sunday. I guess after the event had technically ended, and uh, got back off the off the trail and and I had decided to to load up and go home Sunday night instead of waiting until Monday morning, and got the uh, got the forerunner loaded up on the trailer and uh, one of my buddies was standing there and said. Uh, you gonna do something with that flat tire on that trailer before you uh, get out on the road and start heading home? And <laughs> that was uh, a bit frustrating, but I managed to get by with simply airing it up and uh, made it home with without issues. So I yeah. under, understand you had some interesting things transpire on on your trip home. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily, uh, it it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, so I guess uh, a, a few years back, um, I started using a um, an inline magnetic filter on my power steering return. 
Um, and this was just because every time I um, looked inside my tie rod boots, you know, that they were muddy and wet inside. And while the seals on my power steering rack are still good, you know, there's there's nothing leaking out. I just thought as a preventative measure, it would be good to install a, a power steering line filter. And they're extremely inexpensive. You know, they're I think they're about $10. And you just need a couple of hose clamps, the filter, and a short piece of hose to install it. You install it on the return, and there's a direction to it. And because it has a magnet on it, you know, of course, if I have any power steering problems, um, hopefully it prolongs the life of the power steering pump. Now, I'm on my second power steering pump, which is part of what prompted me to do this in the first place. So, uh, needless to say, uh, I was driving down the highway and uh, pulled off to a rest stop just to, uh, you know, stretch my legs for a minute because it's a 14 hour ride home. And as I was pulling off the exit ramp, I felt oh, no power steering, you know, and, and, you know, doing 65 down the highway, it's kind of hard to notice if you have power steering or not, you know, uh, uh, even if you know your vehicle really well, you, you can't always feel it at that speed. And, and with 35s, the steering is a little sluggish anyway. So I pull off, I see, well, no power steering. Huh, that's, that's unusual because my, my vehicle's very, always been pretty reliable with just you know, without just random things just happening, you know. So I pulled over, grabbed the flashlight, popped the hood because it was pitch black out. Of course, of course, this didn't happen during the daylight that I mentioned. It was about nine o'clock at night. Oh, it could never happen in the middle of the day <laughs> right. when you could actually see some, see something. Right, right, right. And I'm in the middle of, you know, East Overshoe, Virginia. I'm not even sure where I was. And no offense to those folks from Virginia. It's a wonderful state. I love uh, visiting and and. and using its its wonderful uh, highway system and, and uh, dodging the uh, incredible uh, state police force you have. <laughs> um, but I had no idea where I was, so I, I'm just making a joke, but no offense, Virginians. Uh, I was in the middle of I, nowhere. I have, don't even know. So, um, Well, anyway, so I popped the hood, got my trusty flashlight out, and I'm looking around, and obviously I see the power steering reservoir is dry and so i'm following the lines around and i see right where the filter was uh it's very wet the entire passenger side of the frame is wet um and you know it's running down on the skid plates of course it's it's all the fluid's gone now so there's not even a, a drip on the ground there's no spill for me to control you know there's probably just a trail of fluid back wherever it decided to, to let go <laughs> to, to right where I was. So I, I can't even speak to treading lightly. It was all gone. So I said, well, um, I don't know how long it was like that, you know, cause again, I was going down the highway and, you know, wouldn't really hear it or feel it. So, um, <clears throat> hopped back in, said, well, I'm driving to the nearest gas station and, uh, I'm going to, you know, futz with it there and at least get some some fluid so now the modern toyotas uh, i don't want to say modern but my generation i have 120 series which is the you know the 4.0 single vvti uh uh what is it the gsj 15 <clears throat> right or uh no one grfe excuse me it's the one grfe engine you completely um, lost me at toyota Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, my Toyota has the one GRFE engine. Um, needless to say, 
Um, the power steering pumps use ATF. They don't use power steering fluid, which is actually a good thing because getting fluid is pretty easy and cheap. Um, so I stopped in a gas station, picked up a couple of quarts of fluid. Um, I didn't know what time they were going to close, so I bought four quarts of fluid. Now, I know the system only takes a one or maybe maybe one and a half. It doesn't take very much fluid at all. But, you know, I, I didn't know what... I hadn't cracked into it, and I wanted to be sure I had the fluid, and, and it was $3 a quart. So I said, okay, I'll spend $12 on fluid and put it on the shelf when I get home if I don't need it. And, it, and it's some crappy gas station brand of fluid. I had synthetic in there. This was not synthetic. But uh, being that I was doing a flush, it didn't really matter what I was putting right. in there. Right. But I, I got out and I looked it over, and, and it seemed like the link was coming from around the filter. I don't know if the filter was plugged or, you know, maybe I had a hose clamp that was too tight. Because, you know, if you over-tighten a hose clamp, that'll eat right through the hose. Right. Um, now, I'm usually pretty good about that because I'm aware of it. So I'm not really sure if it was that. And, and today I had a pretty busy work day. So I didn't really get to look into what actually happened. But it was leaking somewhere around that filter. So all I had to do was pop the hose clamps off. I left enough slack in the uh, in the line so that, you know, if I ever had this kind of problem, I could just pull the filter out, put the, you know, the, the, the hose back on the uh, return and, and clamp it down, which is exactly what I did. And it didn't leak a bit. Um, and of course, it has every hose clamp I own on that one connection now <laughs> because I was so paranoid and they're not over tightened or anything. But, um, you know, it, it was, actually it was more so I didn't lose hose clamps. But uh, And uh, I topped it off with fil uh, fluid and, and flushed the power steering rack or uh, bled the air out of the power steering rack, which consists of uh, I put it in park and uh, I give the engine a little gas and I just turn the wheel from side to full lock, side to side and hold it at full lock, you know, for a couple seconds. Um, power steering pumps a little bit whinier than it used to be. So I have a feeling, um, you know, it's going to be just a matter of time. It must've run for a little bit, um, you know, without, uh, without any fluid in it. My, my biggest concern is I could live without power steering. My biggest concern is that the, that engine has one belt. So if I burn out the bearing on the power steering pump and the pulley starts flopping around, I have bigger issues, you know? So, uh, you know, needless to say, I, I was a little long-winded about what happened, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, again, I was more concerned that I have one belt and that pulley is a part of it. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm glad for you that it it was a relatively easy fix, and uh, I know you posted something about it on on uh, Facebook, and I was. You know, obviously, still on my way home, but I wasn't sure if there was anything I could do to help you or not. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was it was good to hear that that uh, it was uh, an easy fix for you, and you were able to to get back up and going. Uh, yeah, I'll fairly, have to fairly quickly anyway. I have to dig in and see what happens. And and honestly, I didn't post on Facebook to panic everyone. It's just that I had no idea where I was. I was all alone <laughs> in the middle of Virginia. And for some reason, I'm not sure what that reason could be, Jason, but for some reason I had 
you know, horrifying banjo music echoing in my ears. So I just, I, you know, that and being in the middle of Virginia, I just figured I should let some people know where I am in case, <laughs> in case something happens, you know. I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know, when you're from up north and you hear banjo music and you're in the middle of nowhere and you're below the Mason-Dixon line, you tend to just want to run back north. Um, <laughs> now that's not nice. <laughs> you all know I'm joking. I, I know what you mean, but it, it, doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that it's now, nice. The fact that you say it, you know what I mean, just reinforces it. You know that, right? <laughs> oh shoot! That was shoot. <laughs> that was a shoot. That was. I'm waiting for a dang now. <laughs> well, before we. Uh, before we get too much further into the show, buddy, um, <laughs> buddy, I got a I got a bone to pick with you. Uh, what I do now? Um, the the listeners may may remember, and and a few of them actually took part in it. I was I was kind of kind of hoping that a few more would, but we had uh, we had agreed on the show that we were going to do a listener trail ride, and you and I had had agreed that one day you would ride my forerunner and the next next day I would ride in your cruiser. And that is exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. And so far so good. Sounds my, good. My my bone to pick with you is after riding in your cruiser, um mm-hmm. I now have another, I don't know, four or five page list of modifications that <laughs> I want to figure out how to incorporate into my forerunner. So, thank you very much. I almost thought I was done. Well, and, and and why don't you just you know briefly go down that list and and tell us uh, which inspirations stood out to you the most? Uh, your seats um, were, you know, <laughs> pro- probably probably the biggest. And uh, I say all this jokingly, but. Uh, it, from 100% honesty, I have never got out of any truck at the end of a day of off-roading and uh, felt as good as the day that I got out of your cruiser. And <clears throat> I don't mean that I was happy to get out of it. That's that's not what I mean. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I, I just mean that, that your truck did not beat me to death. And... Uh, I, I mentioned to you at some point throughout the day that I, I couldn't believe how firmly I was staying put. And uh, I never never would have dreamed that uh, aftermarket seats were something that I would be looking into. But uh, after experiencing it firsthand, that's, that is definitely something that I'm yeah, going to be investigating. Uh, while my truck was parked at the event and, you know, just the doors were kind of hanging open, a few people stopped by and remarked on the seats. I said, you know, well, go ahead and sit in them, you know, don't just look at them, try them out. And everybody that sat in them was, was very impressed with them. Uh, and I'm not patting myself on the back here. I didn't make the seats. I bolted them in, you know, I'm just the middleman. <laughs> but um, I have certainly found that side to side motion. You know, that really, really wears you out, especially from, you know, uh, the trails that are washboard or, <clears throat> you know, slow washboard or have like baseball sized stones and things like that. The seat really, really shuts down that side to side motion that just fatigues you so bad. Oh, I, I agree 100 um, percent. You were you were in my truck. I, I have 
my truck was a limited model, which means it come with leather, leather interior and, and all that nice stuff. And that stuff is really nice on the highway. But I have often considered um, simply swapping out to a, a lower uh, level, you know, like a, a base model or SR5 model uh, cloth interior just to get rid of the, the leather seats because I always felt like the leather is, is just too slick and I spend a lot of time uh, just trying to hold, you know, physically hold myself in the, in the seat from sliding around on the leather but uh after after uh after experiencing yours i don't think that even that step is going to be enough so i was uh, thoroughly unimpressed with the stock fj seats and in my experience i actually wore one out um not because i'm fat but because <laughs> on you know where you're you're kidneys kind of rub getting in and out of most seats and and it's a very common wear spot on seats is you know on the seat back but about where your kidneys is on the corner right you know what i'm saying uh, um mine wore out before sixty thousand miles i had a a gash there so i took it back to toyota i was still under warranty and they said yep okay we'll do it and they replaced the seat and i got a brand new seat so needless to say that one didn't last very much longer either um and and you know that one of the things to consider with seats is you know especially on the trail there are times when you're getting in and out of the vehicle a lot whether you've got to spot somebody or whether you've got to walk ahead in the trail and look around or you know pull that stick out from under your your drivetrain that you just wedged in there or whatever you know you tend to jump in and out of the truck a bit um on certain trails uh, more than others, of course, but you know if that part is going to wear out. So after the second seat wore out, I said, you know what? I'm certainly not. You know, I I could just put some seat covers on, but the hole's going to be there. And I find on long distances the the stock seats. I just didn't find them to be. I don't know. I couldn't do the drives I used to be able to do. So I uh, made the investment in in the seats, and it is probably one of my favorite. My favorite mods. I mean, I did the 14-hour ride there, you know, and I didn't get out of my truck with, like, the sore, stiff back you get sometimes from long-distance, you know, long-term driving. Well, I <clears> – <throat> pardon me. Uh, I don't know exactly what avenue that I'm going to take yet, but it is – like I said, it's definitely something that uh, that I'm going to be looking into. And uh, what. What other kinds of things were you inspired by? Your your storage setup, um, your uh, your drawer system that, that you have. I would have would have never imagined that you could fit as much stuff in that shallow of a drawer as as you have in yours. Um, I have a full toolkit in there. <laughs> I, I was I was really impressed by that that. Uh, was definitely inspiring compared to the monstrosity that that I put together for myself, and uh, I've mentioned on on previous episodes that that uh, my storage system was kind of an experiment to to see whether that was even something that I I would uh, would be able to utilize. And uh, although I I like what I have, I'm not 100 percent happy with it. 
and after looking at yours and realizing, wow, I could really scale that down, uh, I'm I'm definitely going to be rethinking how to uh, how to go about how to go about doing that. Interesting to note that I don't have very many tools at home. Um, you know, it seems like I have a lot of tools in there, but they're essentials. I can do everything I need to do on my FJ with what's in the back of it. Um, certain things won't fit in the drawer, you know, like a BFH doesn't really fit in there <laughs> and you have to have a BFH. Um, and for our listeners that don't know what a BFH is, it's a, it's a big freaking hammer. Um, you know, and, and our axle nut sockets, they don't, they don't exactly fit in there, but, um, you know, and I, and I actually carry two 10 millimeter sockets because it's a Toyota. <laughs> And where would we be without 10 millimeter sockets? But the fact that I don't have three bags of tools in the back uh, has been one of the happiest things, happiest feelings I've ever had. Well, it, it's going it's going to take a little, um, I guess, nudge to uh, to probably get me to that point because I I'm sure that I carry more tools than I need to. But yep. uh, they give me a certain amount of uh, security, I guess, knowing that, <laughs> knowing that they're there. Um, well, you know, you don't carry all those tools for yourself. Well, to help I, the I, other I, the other guy. I, I was just gonna just gonna add um, Sunday, I think. When I saw you come walking out with a Band-Aid on your yeah, face? Yeah, that, that was the day. <laughs> <laughs> and the side of your face was all swollen. Let's let's talk about that a little bit, Jason. <laughs> I wasn't sure who attacked you in your sleep. You know, sure, I didn't but... know if it was... Again, that banjo music, you just never know what's going to happen. Well, sure, now that you, you bring it up. But I'm going to add that um, through, throughout, that, throughout that instance, that situation... I was not working on my own truck. I was working on a friend's truck. And uh, I still didn't have the majority of the tools that I needed with everything I carry. So, uh, luckily, between three of us, we managed to find enough stuff that would would work. But, anyway, seeing as how Rich brought it up, um, (laughs) safety first, folks. Uh, A friend of mine had uh, a 5th Gen 4Runner that had uh, aftermarket lower links, adjustable uh, lower links on the rear. And somehow or another, whether a jam nut come loose or, or whatever happened, um, he ended up pulling the threads out of the uh, out of the link. Mm. So to get him off the trail, they ratchet-strapped it together and, and got him off the trail. And to, to get him home, we were debating on what to do with it when it dawned on somebody that uh a mutual friend of ours had actually won a set of lower links in the raffle Uh-oh. that uh, that would fit that particular application so the decision was made to uh to go ahead and, and borrow one of those one of those links and just uh swap it out for the one that that he had stripped out and uh in the process of doing this um Luckily, uh, there was an impact wrench available and uh, enough compressed CO2 to operate said impact wrench. Uh-oh. There just wasn't an operator uh, 
smart enough to keep his hands on everything <laughs> and <laughs> well well operating it jumped out of your hands yes well while operating the the impact and trying to hold the uh the attached nut uh the ratchet got away from me and I look like I got the crap beat out of me. So, <laughs> is it that, did look like somebody kind of slugged you on with a good left. Yes, and uh, it uh, it was a might painful. Yeah, I bet it. Well, did you? But you, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, I was fine. Just uh, I mean, other than you know the the, the pool of regret. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, more embarrassing than anything, but uh, it, uh, those things happen. So They do happen, and they do happen on the trail. If I had known you guys needed tools, I mean, I might have had something that could have helped. I, had, I do have a big half-inch breaker bar that might have at least uh, got you further away from the spinning thing. Well, in all honesty, I actually had one of those as well and just didn't utilize it. But um, Okay. Fair enough. We're going to move on now. <laughs> We're going to delicately walk away from this topic. The the most frustrating thing about that ordeal was, um, and this is a shout out to vendors out there that actually make parts. Mm-hmm. When you make parts for a Toyota, Toyotas use metric fasteners. Right. And for somebody like me that has actually tried to downsize my toolkit and removed all my standard wrenches, um, could you please, when you make aftermarket parts, I don't know, use as many metric fasteners as you can to hold stuff together? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Granted, that, kind of, that bugs me, too. Th- there are a lot of, you know... Uh, a lot of uh, metric and and, uh, and standard fasteners will will cross over, or wrenches will cross over and, and fit well enough to, in a pinch, undo or tighten tighten things up. It it can be done, but uh, wow, whatever crazy guy put the bolts in that lower link? Um, I want his impact wrench because uh, wow, they were crazy tight. But anyway. Uh, Got the job done, and uh, <laughs> I haven't talked to him, but hopefully he made it home with that issue. So, now, well, do you think it, it might have just been a little frozen? Uh, no, because there was both both ends were were uh, super super tight, and they had nylon lock nuts on them, you know, mm-hmm. on the through bolts, right? And uh, they were they were just uber tight. It was uh, I I fought with them for I guess had I gotten my my breaker bar out i may have uh gained a little ground on them but with my just my ratchet on there there was no budging them so yeah i um i found also sometimes the and it probably wasn't the case in what you were doing but um up here we get the the through bolt will seize in the sleeve you know in the in the is it a johnny joint or is it just the butchering well, it doesn't matter but it'll seize in that sleeve in that thing so you'll be turning it and and nothing's happening and it it's you know sometimes uh it, it's uh, a combination of things being seized not just the nut you know right um, right i've also found sometimes it's easier to loosen the bolt on those instead of loosening the nut well have you that, ever had that happen well that's exactly what i had to ended up having to do 
because the way that the bolts had to go in, um, it was the only way that I could get an impact on them. I could not get the the impact on the nut side. And, right, because of the either the frame or the fuel tank. Right, right. And I, <clears throat> pardon me, I hate doing that, but uh, I gave it a whirl, and, and for once it actually worked quite effectively. So, anyway, um, yeah, was yeah. that the incident you were talking about? Yes, it was, it was. And, uh, you know, but I mean, uh, those, those um, you know, a lot of people are using adjustable links now, and the, the, the problem your friend had... It just seems like it's becoming more and more common, and I don't know if it's a maintenance issue. I've had it happen to me, too, so I'm not, you know, um, just speculating here. Um, when I bought new links to replace my old ones that were stripping out uh, that I had caught in time, you know, the old ones, it's it's not the Johnny Joint side that rusts. It's, it's the tube. It's the inside of the tube. And, um, <clears throat> you know we'd practice with like making drainage holes in the tube. And when I say the tube, I mean the entire lower link and, and it just seems like there's nothing you can do. So on my new ones, I, I, you know, painted them up with, uh, anti seas and, and hope for the best. And, uh, I was adjusting them about a week, about a week ago before I went on this trip, I just wanted to tweak my pinion angle a little bit. And sure enough, the jam nut or lock nut, whatever you want to call it, uh, on one side, uh, decided, no, no, I'm not moving anymore. And I, I worked pretty hard to get that thing loose and I did, it was stubborn and I was getting a little concerned, but I'm getting rapidly approaching the point where I, I don't want those adjustable links anymore. I'm just going to measure out the size I need and just order them with rubber on both sides and forget the little bit of articulation I'm going to gain and all this crap. I'm tired of dealing with those frozen and stripped and you know I'm, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with the adjustable links they're they're miserable for me well i i, I was uh, you bring that up and and to be honest with you the the link that we put back on that truck and i don't remember brands um not not that it would be important to bring them up anyway but uh the whatever brand it was that that was was one in the raffle the one that we used to to get on there for him to get home was a non-adjustable link and uh, it was still a nice beefy you know well built well uh well put together link but it was non-adjustable i i was it, it was spc i believe uh, because i i think i i saw them floating around the event yeah i i honestly don't remember but uh they were like i said they were seemed really well made and they were non-adjustable and uh, yeah it uh it worked great so or it but they to, were they were together. stock length though That's yes yes correct correct <sighs> anyway um anything else exciting we need to to talk about our our listener ride that that did take place no, we did we had a we had a fun little listener ride i tell you at this event i really wish i could have seen more of the trails and and the the trails at Windrock were were just a ton of fun um it was um you know the terrain is is tw- twisty and more mountainous than uh, we're used to here in the northeast but here in the northeast we have um you know a, a lot more wet muddy rocks we have a lot more rocks for than than tennessee or than windrock seems to have uh and for for i'm sure there's someone out there who says well you know windrock has plenty of rocks and yes you do but we have more 
Um, <laughs> and and it's not a competition, but it's just, it's just different. You know, it's just different terrain. Right. Um, we also have like you know a lot of hill climbs with rocks and tree roots exposed and slippery things like that. But I uh, I was impressed by the trails there. Um, it, it really seemed like you know I could spend a good deal of time there. If if I had to pick one thing I didn't I really liked Windrock and I want to go back and I will go back um, that's generally how things go I mean it is kind of a hike but um, you know aside from the campground campground was great all that stuff was great trails were great but I want to pick out one con if I could say one con and you know it probably isn't a big deal uh, to you guys down in Tennessee because you're used to it but for me it was complete culture shock to have um, dirt bikes and quads and side-by-sides um, sharing the trails with full-size four-by-fours. That, to me, was just... I still don't understand it, and people have explained it to me, and I see where they're coming from, but to me, it just seems like a recipe for disaster, and, and uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been serious issues with it. Well, we, we as... When I say we, meaning the, the full-size crowd, um, it is a constant battle for us. Uh, and definitely not, uh, you say it's something that we're used to, um, we're used to dealing with it, but we're not happy about it either. Right. Well, yeah. well I would imagine that you're not because there's a, there's some very young people, uh, riding those, those machines, you know, very, very young. I, I, if some of them were 10 or 11 years old, I, I would not be surprised. And, um, you know, on the one hand, a lot of people waved and gave right away and, you know, would uh, I think one or two of them actually counted off the number of vehicles in their group. Um, I, an equal or greater number of them, you know, were just not paying attention to what was going around around them. They were, you know, not slowing down when other, when bigger vehicles were coming their way. They were just simply um, owning the trails. I didn't really feel that vibe that they were sharing the trails. No, and, and that, pardon me, that is definitely a, a regular, a regular occurrence, and uh, something that we battle um, for the most part. Anytime we go ride anywhere down here, uh, I've been to very few parks where that wasn't was not an issue. Yeah. Now it seemed the first day we went out, we seemed to pick a trail that probably not a lot of those uh, small vehicles go down. Um, because we had the whole trail to ourselves. We didn't see one. The second, and we were on trail 16 uh, at Windrock that day. And, and that was a great trail, and that was fun. We had a fun little recovery thing at the end where, you know, we were all dehydrated and not thinking straight and making all these horrible mistakes and trying to drag this winchless Tacoma up a, a, an incline it had no business being on. Cough, cough, nudge, nudge. But, um,. <laughs> Uh, we tried, what was it, Trail 22, correct. the second day, am I correct? Correct, yes. And and that was a fun trail, too, um, but, you know, it was just uh, dominated by the, the smaller vehicles, and I don't feel like we really uh, got to enjoy it. I also felt like we had to keep a certain pace. We couldn't just crawl along at the pace we wanted to, and we had a stock 80-series Land Cruiser with us that had some it had a 240,000 miles on it, so the piston rings were not in tip-top shape. So the hill climbs were a little, <laughs> a little much for that for that Land Cruiser. Uh, but it it did great. But I just felt like we couldn't go at the pace we wanted. Well, uh, 
in retrospect, um, I chose that trail to to start out with, and looking back, it it was a poor choice on on my part. Um, we or, can blame you then. It, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, for for a couple of reasons, um, one being that Trail Twenty Two at Windrock is one of the main trails leaving the parking lot. I don't know whether you noticed that or not, Rich. But yes, yeah. Uh, so it makes it really easy for the guys on side by sides and quads and and motorcycles and that kind of stuff to get into the trail system on that trail. And yeah. uh, besides that, it it is a fun trail. So a lot of people, uh, and, and it's a fun trail for side by sides and a very popular trail for them. Uh, for for all those reasons. Uh, Looking back, I should have. We all had uh, trucks that could have stayed on on the main main roads and gotten a little deeper into the trail system, and found uh, a trail for us that would have been equally as fun without the uh, the overabundance of traffic. So, to to those folks that participated in that ride with us, um, I apologize. I realize it's a little late now, but uh, I didn't think that through very well. Well, we, we had a great time, and, and um, some of our friends and listeners or listeners and friends or listeners that were listeners and are now our friends, I don't know, what uh, that was Mike and Dan and Kenny that were with us, and it was just the four vehicles. We, we left a lot late. We were, we were doing some uh, important Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast business. Um, I think we were conducting some interviews and stuff, by the, but by the time we got out of the lot, um, I think that was the only people still stick, still hanging around, yeah, still still waiting around <laughs> on us to get out on the trail. So yeah, I think I think more people were waiting for us, but then they just said, "Oh, these guys are taking forever," and left. But um, but anyway, you know, I always love small groups. I feel like you always have the, the most fun in them, and, and we had a, a ton of fun and uh, shared some of the pictures from that. Now, uh, but enough about that day. The day in your forerunner, we had a great time, and and I was really impressed by your forerunner. Um, you know, um, I hate your tires, <laughs> I know you're laughing, but, um, you know, um, your, your forerunner did great. I mean, I think you pressed the locker button twice and we were on some trails that, you know, would have put, um, uh, lesser vehicles to shame, you know, uh, and, and we were behind, uh, some pretty well built, um, land cruisers, you know, there was some some uh, i think there was a set of 40 inch tires in that group wasn't there maybe maybe yeah. not yes yep definitely uh, and and you on your 33s here you come and there was just nothing they could do that you couldn't do that one obstacle at the ends that that was not for the weak hearted and even even our friend john in his tacoma on, on 37s he uh, he had a winch up that last obstacle um, but, the, but that was a great trail. And, and in retrospect, I kind of wish I took my FJ up that trail instead. Well, it, uh, it'll be there for when you come back next time. We'll... That's right. And hopefully be even more washed out than it was <laughs> when we were on it. <laughs> well, I, I have ran that trail, uh, a couple of years ago, I ran that trail three, three days in a row and, uh, it was, it, it was at our event and I was either leading or tailing. And somehow or another, we just wound up on that trail every day that I was there. But uh, I, I winched over that obstacle three days in a row. So, 
um, so you had all those chances and you you just still couldn't i, couldn't, I, I uh, just can't get the job done right there so that obstacle is tough i think uh you know tire size definitely has a lot to do with it um i also think how far you can go off camber has a lot to do with that obstacle and that's something that would have concerned me in my fj because you know with no sway bars it, it it's whether or not it really is going to flop over it certainly feels like it's going to and uh, sometimes that's enough to just make you say nope i'm winching right you know? right um but but that but that last obstacle you had to have just the right line and and a kind of a little bit of a if i think if you're an ifs you need a little bit of speed and a little bit of stupidity to 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 really attempt it without just getting up to it and saying okay i'm gonna pull some cable well the the recently fallen tree that is now laying beside beside the yeah does yeah not, that i hate that it, that thing was a pain yeah it, it does it does not help to try to set up for the right line so yeah uh, kind of have to kiss the tree and i managed to do that a little closer a little closer than oh, i would like to my, I, you know jason i completely forgot about that uh just for our listeners you know jason really picked a great line going up this hill and uh he he actually on the way up the hill um, managed to do um, from the driver's seat. He did this uh, a great modification that I want to try. That it really brightens your tail lights. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> those 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 really bright tail lights you you've got on one side, <laughs> and, and white as well. Um, and, uh, did I mention they were white and not red? <laughs> If you folks aren't getting the idea, yes, Jason got awfully close to a fallen tree and took out my passenger side taillight. Um, thanks for forcing that out of me, Rich. I I would was really hoping to go on one trail ride this year, and I'm not crying. I I've said before that uh, I don't like damage and and that kind of stuff, but I'm not the guy that uh, is going to whine and cry about it either. But I would really like to do one trail ride this year where I can bring my forerunner home in the same shape it was when I left. And uh, <laughs> once again, no such luck. Um, well, you know, it, it, it's just the, it was an honest, uh, honest kind of thing. And, and I, I'm sure that taillight probably isn't going to break the bank for you. Um, probably be more annoying just because time, the time to go there and, and, and change it is, is the hardest part. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I almost, forgotten about it until you mentioned the fallen tree so well I, I i felt bad because your your buddy john was actually trying to spot me um uh, even at that point and had i been paying attention uh it probably wouldn't have happened so john i <laughs> i apologize for uh not looking far enough up the hill to uh to see you trying to guide me even through that small area <laughs> well you know what john is a great spotter and and if you if you you ever do get on the trail with him again or if any of our listeners happen to run into him an event uh john john is a, a great spotter with with years of experience and and he really understands how what, what ifs is going to do uh on a trail so he can definitely send you down a good line you know we've we've had this talk before about there's nothing worse than a solid axle guy spotting an ifs rig um and uh he certainly certainly has an an eye for for things and, and and it's always a good time on the trail with them but um uh how um you know i meant to ask you we didn't really get to talk about it when we were at the event together but you you've done 
um, new control arms, new shocks and springs all around, and uh, you know, new bushings. What a new steering rack, and you just put a ton of work into it. So, how do you feel the the your Forerunner per- performed? Because I I just thought it was great. I thought I thought it you know glided over everything. I couldn't complain about the ride one one bit. I had nothing, you know, no negative feedback. It, it felt great. Uh, as far as performance wise, I, I wouldn't say that it performed a whole lot better or different than it ever has. Um, I've always been pretty happy with with how it you know how it rode and, and how it performed. What really stood out to me and what what I really appreciated was the uh, the lack of uh, unrecognizable rattles and bangs that I've dealt with. For, <laughs> it was for, pretty quiet. For yeah. a long time. The uh, panard bar in the rear uh, for several several years, or a couple of years anyway, any side-to-side movement, you know, it just clunk, 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 clunk all the time. And not, not having to listen to that and uh, the uh, insatiable rattle from my, my uh, loose steering rack. Um, which I initially thought was in the steering shaft itself, but as it turns out, it was probably the rack guide that was just completely wore out. Uh, the steering rack not rattling going down the trail was uh, was really nice. So having it just feel, uh, <clears throat> everything feel tighter and more, uh, just more together and not, uh, just not feeling wore out. Gave me a lot of confidence. Uh, that said, I kind of had a monkey on my shoulder all, all weekend whispering in my ear. What was that? What was that? Did, did you forget to tighten something up? What, you know, the, the whole, <laughs> that nagging little voice, right, right. Uh, <laughs> anything that, that just felt a little bit off. I, I kind of, kind of questioned whether I'd overlooked something or missed something or, or whatever, but, uh. Before it uh, before it goes anywhere else, I, it will go back in the shop and it it, uh, it will get a tighten all the bolts up again and you know just to make a hundred percent sure that nothing got missed and that everything is as it should be. But uh, yeah, over- and af- after a trail ride, when you install that many new parts at once, it really is a good idea to get back under there and and recheck, even if you've torqued and things like that, because metal does what metal does and and you know you're 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 flexing that suspension out in a way you can't do in your garage or your driveway or your backyard or you know over your neighbor's dog or whatever you do so you know you you, you raise a really good point in that you know after you make all these mods and you take it out on the trail and you know everything is great get back under there you know uh, and that's advice to the the readers i'm not preaching to you because i know you know um, but, but that, that's just such a good tip right there. Get, get back under there and tight because there's nothing worse than, you know, you do hear that story from time to time of the guy who did put all that new stuff on, goes out on the trail, has a great day. And then 500 miles down the road, something's loose. Right. Right. And, and I honestly expect to find things that have, uh, have loosened up. So it, it is going to be, uh, it's definitely mandatory for me to, to get back under there and and just go back over stuff and and make sure everything is like i said as it as it should be um yeah there's there's some people out there who seem to think you know you bolt all this stuff on and and stuff should never come loose well you know you've gone out of the realm 
of stock parts on a stock vehicle doing stock things with it. You're pushing the suspension either to the limits of its geometry or beyond them. It's sort of crazy to think that, you know, once you're in that realm that you're not going to have to chase after it with a wrench to a certain degree. Right. And that, that should be, pardon me, uh, like you said, that should be on everybody's list. And, uh, you know, I've I've talked before about how I, I've lacked on doing maintenance and that kind of stuff on my truck, and and to the point where it's it's almost embarrassing to talk about. But I feel like uh, maybe my failures can in, inspire other people to do a better job, and it's definitely put me in a position where I feel like I I know that I need to do a better job. So I'll be doing that from now on. <laughs> That's right. Now, now we actually can't get lazy, and we have to keep up on our maintenance because we're telling everyone else to do it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the do as I say, not as I do thing only goes so far. So, um, yeah, I need to be start taking uh, more responsibility. But uh, it is definitely well. Let, let, now let's not go too far. Now, come on, <laughs> boys will be boys, right? Well, this this is true, but I'm, I'm going to try to do a better job. Um, well, I had a great time at event. It was great to meet you and it was great to meet so many people and the event itself, uh, you know, it, it was great. It was, it was, um, organized pretty well. I, I've been to a few events and, and, uh, you know, um, to be honest, it, you know, to organize, I don't think a lot of people realize how difficult it is, especially when there's just one person with a handful of helpers, um, to put on an event for, I believe it was 180, I, and, and Brett, if you're listening, forgive me if I don't have the number exactly right, but I believe it was 180-something uh, Toyotas there. I, I think might have, a Jeep might have slipped in, but um, quite a few trucks, quite a few people, you know, and of course their, their families or children or passengers or friends or whatever, um, but they're... You know, it, it, it's tough to put on an event of that size and make everybody happy. And I saw a lot of smiles. I saw a lot of people very happy. A lot of pictures going out there. It was it was it was a decent sized raffle. Um, what do you think of the event itself? What, what's your take? I, I'm with you. I thought it was was very well organized and and uh, I mean I I love Winrock. I've made no no bones about that. And uh, I, I was probably mainly excited about just being <laughs> being at Winrock and, and uh, that sort of thing. But the event went very well. I appreciated the uh, the vendor area. That that is something that I personally have not experienced at least on that level at an event. I thought that that was was very well put together and and uh, the way that everything was was that they were. I guess, for lack of a better word, kind of corralled together and, and uh, just kind of a vendor's row sort of sort of feel to it. Um, I, I really like that. And uh, everything else went really smooth. Um, everybody seemed to get out, on, get, get out on the trail relatively efficiently. And uh, the trail rides that we did were, were not uh, event-led trail rides, so to speak. Um, the the first day that we went uh we kind of went out with uh, some of your friends and some of my some of the guys that i wheel with on a regular basis just kind of as a big group and uh, the next day was just kind of you and i leading what uh 
what little we could. But uh, from what I understand, everybody was relatively happy with, with the guided trail rides and that kind of stuff. And that's cool. Like you said, uh, uh, organizing an event like this, even when you've got a, a group of people doing it, is not an easy task. So hopefully everybody, uh, everybody appreciates, appreciates the work that goes into that. Yeah, and, and hats off to Brett. A great job um, as an event organizer, and, and I know Jason's an event organizer too. You know, we we both know um, what goes into it, and we know what the sleepless nights are like, and uh, it's just an immense amount of work. Um, and the funny thing is, is you spend months and months and months in preparation for two, three days that fly by so fast you barely have time to collect your thoughts and, uh, you know, uh, think about what's going on. So, so, you know, hats off to you, Brett. Great job. Um, so for those who weren't there, just to give you an idea, um, <clears throat> you, you know, you can, you can do a little research on, on Winrock Park yourself. And if, um, if you haven't uh, ever been there, um, I, I would certainly say, Put it on your list. Get to Windrock Park. It is a great venue. Um, plenty of room to camp. The cabins, we, we rented a heck cabin because about eight of us came down from the northeast. And uh, our, our friends, Carol and Danielle, uh, and, and that, that Carol is, is a guy's name, um, they had an, uh, their infant daughter with them. So they wanted to have a, 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 a cabin. They didn't really want to stay in town in, the, in a hotel, which some people did. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not don't get me wrong but so you know we didn't really we camp we we had this nice cabin and I, I would just say the cabins are great you know um but definitely put Winrock as a destination on your wheeling list there's there's a how many acres is it 72,000 acres 72,000 acres you could spend a week there just exploring and um you know there's also land surrounding the park so, you know, you, you really could spend a good deal of time just, just exploring that, that entire area. Um, you know, even if you don't want to do, you know, the harder trails and, and that kind of thing, there's enough just mellow trails and off-road driving and sights to see and, and views and things. You know, there's waterfalls, all kinds of things to see um, to, keep, to keep someone busy. And I think they, there's enough difficult things to keep all skill levels busy. I, I think if you have a, a very built machine, you could certainly find enough to, there to amuse you for several days, if not longer. Um, the, the, the park is great. Um, so the, the, the central area where the event was hosted uh, consisted of a large you know, wooden pavilion on a concrete slab like, like I'm sure just about everyone has seen somewhere. Um, I don't know the actual dimensions of it, but it was a good size one. And, and that was basically the, the center of the event. There was a number of picnic tables uh, set up in there and a, a small stage where um, you know, Brett could, could stand up and, and uh, yell at all of us. No, he didn't yell at all of us, but he, he could you know, speak to the crowd. Um, and surrounding it were a number of vendor tents. And there was, oh, I'd say about a dozen, maybe 13, maybe a baker's dozen, um, uh, vendor tents set up. And so when I say vendor tents, think about like a mini flea market where each vendor, um, you know, had their goods and, and products um, laid out and you could go along and there was special event pricing. So not only were you getting a great deal with free shipping, you were getting even more money off for being at the event. 
uh, and this was great. And, um, you know, some vendors had, um, you, you know, like, for example, Southeast Overland was there. And so, you know, those uh, of you who are familiar with Southeast Overland know what they carry. But if you don't, he's got recovery gear and, geez, CV boot clamps and, and you know, uh, winch parts and, you know, all kinds of things. I think he even had some awnings out there for sale. Um, so if you needed a toe strap or a, a tree saver or a yank strap or a shackle or anything, you know, it was there for you to get at an actual, actually a better price than you'd find, uh, you know, on most online outlets. So, um, and, and this isn't limited to just Southeast Overland. There were some other vendors there. I know Skidmark 4x4 was there and uh, Rad Rubber Design and, and um, Apex Overland was there. Uh, there's a couple others I was forgetting. Uh, DB Customs was there. Pure FJ Cruiser was there. I, I'm sorry if I messed that up. Uh, um, I believe that's who it was. And there was a couple other vendors where, where I didn't get a chance to visit them because I was so busy. But um, uh, I know there were some other things for sale there, too. I think uh, I think one guy had uh, lotion or something. I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. there was... There was uh, I think like it that. went with the banjo music, whatever it was. But, um, but, but it was it was a great setting. Oh, and also, there was this one booth there with these these two old guys sitting in it. Uh, it was like almost like the two old guys from the Muppets, but they were talking about Toyotas. Did you see that one, Jason? I, I, I did. There was uh, kind of a. Uh... It was like a tall, skinny guy and a little fat guy. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think both of them were, you know, leaning towards the hefty side, but... Um, okay, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, um, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, th- th- those guys were really interesting. Um, so, yeah, needless to say, the Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast booth was there, and uh, we had a chance, and, and I'm actually leading into the, the main segment of, of uh, this episode... Uh, we had a chance to sit down with a few vendors and actually a listener who uh, we've immortalized by mangling his his last name over and over and over again. Um, but but we we caught some great interview time um, right down there on the field and and that was great. Um, it was really nice to get the vendor's perspective on an event like this and hear about and and all you other vendors who out are out there who are insane enough to listen to this show. Um, definitely check out what the vendors we interviewed have to say because they really speak some good points onto how it benefits both the vendors and the community for vendors to actually attend events and set a tent up and interact with the community. Um, we saw the power of it. They all tell you about it much better than we can. Um, but if any vendors are still out there and still on the fence about, hmm, should I pack all my gear up and go on this country, uh, go cross country to attend this event and maybe not make many sales, you're not thinking the right way. It really, really, it helps the event. It helps the vendor. It helps the community uh, for you to be there and see what people are doing, see how they're using your products, uh, and, and just to socialize and enjoy the event. Uh, any vendors that are out there that are still on the fence about coming out to these events, um, I hope you enjoy these, these interviews. We're going to be playing for you in a few minutes here because um, we really want to see more of that happen, and we really want to see more of, of you awesome vendors coming out um, to, the, to these events because they really help push it over the top.
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm, I mean, I'm used to seeing vendors at events, but not, uh, not set up and ready to do business the way that, uh, the way they were at this event. That was a, a really, uh, really cool thing to see. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, there's products I've only seen online, um, that I, that I was said, Hmm, well, that looks kind of cool, but I really wish I could see it in person because, you know, I need to see if it does exactly what I need it to do in my hand, you know, and I actually had a chance to do that. I had picked up, uh, some stratchets from which are made by front runner and, and, and it's what a stratch it is. It's a combination of a bungee cord and a ratchet strap all in one. Um, and the benefit of them is they hold as well as a ratchet strap, but if you n- need to disconnect them, you can just quickly unclip, stretch them and unquick, unclip them. I can't talk, but, um, quickly unclip them. So if you need to get something out, you're not, we all know what it's like to fiddle around with a ratchet strap. It isn't like a, a, a two second thing. You know, you, got to fool around with it a little bit to just get some something out so you know that was something i had seen online i was like well i've seen videos it looks like a cool product you know i don't know if it's really worth that much but then once i actually got one in my hands i said geez you know i'm gonna go for it and uh certain things you 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 can only see the product in person and when it comes to a lot of this off-road and overland stuff um it's such a niche market that you know you're not just hopping down to walmart and seeing it on the shelf right it was nice to see options there for similar items and uh, and that kind of stuff like like rich said it's it's a niche market but man there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool gadgets out there for for that for that market if if you're in it anyway yeah certainly and and there's a lot of stuff that you know is is also useless um, <laughs> but you think it's really True. useful. True. Um, of course, I didn't see that too much. I think the the vendors selected good uh, good good gear. It didn't didn't bring a lot of that frilly crap that nobody really cares about. Right. All that said, I, I guess uh, we've 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 really worked up these interviews, so we should probably get into them, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which one Which one do you want to do first? Uh, I, I'm thinking. Uh, Rich had mentioned that, that we had a had a visit with a with uh one of our listeners dan and uh we really appreciate dan taking some time to to sit down with us and chat and and visit a little bit um i th- i think we kind of sprung it on him and he wasn't really expecting it but uh, <laughs> a- as usual uh right along with uh with us picking on him about his name for for several months now uh he jumped right in was a a, a good sport about it and uh I think it. Uh, I think it turned out fairly well. Should we do that one first? Yeah, yeah. I don't think too many podcasts out there actually get to interview one of their listeners. So, <laughs> um, and and I do. I just want to say, um, you know, um, with most of these interviews coming up, they're very candid, and we laugh a lot. Um, you know, we're real people. The vendors and our listeners, they're all real people. And um, to us, it felt like we were just hanging out with friends, chatting about stuff we think is cool. Uh, and so I hope uh, all of you listening, um, you know, appreciate that feel. It's it's not these are not formal interviews. Right. Um, kind of like 
you know, the rest of <laughs> the rest of our show. <laughs> yeah, because right, because those last eighteen episodes were just so straight laced. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's get into this interview with Dan. Uh, Kick I don't it remember, off. Don't remember exactly how long it is, but it's it's not not too terrible bad. So here we go. <laughs> All right, we are live at Appalachian Toyota Roundup. Uh, how many days have we been here? Uh, I've been here since Thursday, so. This is what day? Saturday? It's Saturday. <laughs> all day, all day. So, Up until midnight, well, it's Saturday. You know, without a, a clock, and I ain't looked at my phone much, I have trouble keeping track of what day it is. What have we been doing since we got here? Um, <clears throat> well, um, the first night I arrived, obviously, you know, not much happened. I got here. I had a 14-ride hour, 14-ride hour, 14-hour ride. What one or the other? Right down from Connecticut. So, um, and and you know, towards the end of the ride, we had some traffic and uh, stuff like that because uh, of a local football game. So, once I got here, I was exhausted, and, and uh, now we get to deal with noisy motorcycles. Yeah, we'll wait for the noisy motorcycle to go. So when I got here, I had, uh, a bunch of friends and I uh, rented a cabin and uh, basically threw my stuff in there, started uh, cooking fine meats on the fire. And you guys haven't stopped since? Well, just the wheel. I'm not sure you stopped then. No, all I ate was a ham sandwich, I think. I mean, you guys, you told me that you guys cooked, but somebody made the comment around your campfire last night that... Arby's ain't got nothing on you guys. And <laughs> I'd like to think we're a step over Arby's. <laughs> well, the, just, just their, their ad campaign, Arby's, we, we got to meet. No, uh, you guys from New York, bring, bring it. Uh, nonstop grilling. And yeah. good, good stuff. Yeah, we basically sit around the, the campfire and do it Brazilian style where we just cook a bunch of meat, cook it up, cut it into little pieces, and then just hand it out to everybody and do that over the course of several hours. So... Which is good because you never really get a full belly. You're just constantly processing protein. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I, I've enjoyed the campfire, campfire visits <laughs> at your cabin anyway. Yeah, we've had a great time. Uh, and, uh, um, so, you know, and then on uh, Friday, Jason and I uh, got to hit the, uh, a nice trail here. And, uh, you know, uh, that was quite an experience. It was. Good trail. I've ran it several times, obviously. Your first time, but it uh, was supposed to be a moderate trail for the most part. It was till it got non-moderate. <laughs> so I, I think the trail was actually probably a maybe a six-hour trail. Uh, probably close to that. Yeah, and and uh, now it, it's rated a blue trail. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay, so. You know, our trail ratings where uh, up in the northeast that we're used to are they're they're very consistent and and blue you know uh, is, is sort of the moderate uh, range I would say you know green being beginner blue moderate black is advanced and then red is red is uh, bring a crash helmet and a and a safety harness and a full roll cage um, and I don't need do they even have red rated trails here we like ours change at this particular park they change from uh, colors to black uh, black diamond and double black diamond or okay crazy buggy sort of like a, uh, a ski trail right right kind of rating. right, right. Uh, so <clears throat> now our trail yesterday um, 
really great, really great trail, really nice run. The weather was good, and uh, the terrain was good. And we, we uploaded some video of uh, Jason and I bouncing around in his forerunner, which was fun. Towards the end of the trail, there was a hill climb. And uh, this is this this is where the the fun ended and turned into a little bit of work. Now I love a good recovery. I love a good winching scenario, um, and and I'm by no means complaining. But we certainly uh, we had what twelve uh, trucks in our uh, yeah ten or twelve ten or twelve trucks, and I think all but three of them winched up this this yes. this obstacle. Uh, the thing we didn't know is we had picked someone up along the way. Who was in a stock Tacoma with 33s, 33-inch tires? No locker, no winch. No lockers, no winch. And so getting him up the obstacle was certainly uh, we had to get creative and um, break up some stuff. I think we ended up with two pulleys and and uh, some odd angles. The the winching vehicle, since it was uphill, had to be strapped to a tree, a tree. because he was just pulling himself downhill and. The angles were not in our favor, and uh, the uh, driver, I think, was getting a little impatient, hitting the rev limiter, trying to get up the obstacle. Yeah, it, uh, it was on the verge of getting very bad, very fast. And, uh, probably one of the more, maybe not intense recoveries that I've been involved in, but interesting, to say the least. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think the overall tension was high, and we were trying to manage the scenario as best we could. and. Um, of course, I didn't have any of my recovery equipment with me because I was I was a passenger. So I started working with whatever was handed to me. And then as we got after the first hour, then more recovery equipment came out. And I said, well, this makes things easier. Sure. And then uh, the more and more equipment that came out, you know, we didn't really realize what we all had to work with, which is actually a mistake. One of the, one of the things you want to do in a recovery scenario is kind of drag everything out of the trucks, throw it on the ground, see what you have. And, and then work, work from there. That really is the best way. Well, in, in that deal, you and I talked about it some yesterday. That, uh, I think initially we all assumed that it was going to be a fairly easy tug to get him up over that little bit of a ledge, and it just continually compounded into more and more work the, the deeper we got into right. it. Right. Whereas if we had just thrown all the equipment out and sure. we came came up with a recovery scenario, we could have executed it, and it right. wouldn't have taken two hours. Right. That's for sure. And and this isn't complaint. You know, it may sound like we're complaining, but we enjoy this stuff. And we enjoy thinking about this stuff, and and uh, you know, you always look back on it. Well, what could I have done different that would have made this go smoother? Right. You know, made it go right. easier, and. Um, but in the end, we everybody got out. Everybody was smiling, and I think everybody learned something. I hope um, I did. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and nothing was damaged. Nothing was broken. So we, uh, you know, we we got through, and 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 that's you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's still a success. And you can look back and say, well, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done this. But any any landing, you can walk away from, as right. the pilots say, right? right. So. Um, and we had good trail communications. Um, we had uh, uh, small Beofang uh, ham radios that a lot of people were using, sure. and we had ham radios. Uh, so I thought it'd be cool to talk about uh, the ham radio a little bit because the communication was excellent. It's so much uh, clearer, and, and the reception is so much better than CB that, uh, you know, I've, I've run both ham and, and CB in my, in my truck for for a bit now and, and uh, have really been enjoying it. Well, one of our one of our listeners, uh, Dan, came and sat down with us, and uh, 
Dan put out a challenge to both of us, and I'm going to make Rich fulfill that challenge by introducing you, including your last name. It's uh, Dan Icky. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> he can actually hit me now. <laughs> he can actually slug me in the face right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm really rolling the dice on this one. Well, I, I hope in all the times that we brought you up on the show, Dan, that you take absolutely no offense to No, it. none take whatsoever. Your name. Why do you think I keep riding it? <laughs> uh, Dan is... is you're you're a, a big ham guy. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. You, you know no. more about it than we do. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, um, just like most other people, I got started with a CB in my truck. Realized one of the first times I went out wheeling that I was the only guy that couldn't find out what was going on. People are talking where we're going now, and I have no idea. So I think right before the second trip out, I got a CB, which made things a lot better, and. Um, was wheeling with a couple of guys and they were using ham and uh, it was just much better in, in reception clarity um, I think overall equipment quality wise ham radios are better and, and I think it it shows compared to the $29 Walmart special right. <laughs> which I have as a CB um, so got licensed um, and in the process got a bunch of our, uh, our, our local Florida guys licensed as well so most of us have switched to ham some, uh, some are running mobile setups but a lot of them have, uh, have the Baofeng radios, which are great until you drop them, um, and they're done. Yeah. Um, but it's a great, they're great they're little radios. Super in, in, yeah. inexpensive, yeah. Uh, yeah. entry-level radio, dude. Yeah, I think you, you can it. buy one for $29. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know whether Amazon is still doing it or not, but I know at one time they had four packs of them for under 100 bucks. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we as a club, my club, uh, we bought, I think, bought a pack of those yes. to loan out to people on on rides that's great have. yeah because we are trying to convert everybody over over to that yeah uh, and, and they're just essentially on when when they come from the factory they ship with like walkie-talkie frequencies that you really don't need a license to to, to operate on right so and the the cool thing about it is is it's, you get more advanced in in, in ham you can uh, learn how to reprogram the radios which does require a computer um, and and it, it's not as, as a lot of people get intimidated by that. Once you throw the word plugging it into a computer or you know the word computer well, into it, you don't have to use the computer. Right. The computer yeah. makes the process of reprogramming them somewhat easier. In the easier. grand scheme of things, it's easier to easier. use a computer than using the touchpad. Yeah. You can do it all yeah. on the touchpad. Yeah. But but again, it's it's like reading reading things on a little screen, and exactly. you know, my and little fat fingers trying to push all these buttons, and, and then you make a mistake, and you've got to start all over, you know. So the, and, and the, the instruction manual is Chinese translated <laughs> to American, right? So it doesn't always make complete no. sense no. what you're right. trying what you're trying to read. There no. is a non politically correct term for that. I believe it's English. English. That's right. English. Yeah, okay. It's written in English. I, I hadn't heard that, but <laughs> yes, yes, makes complete sense. Yes. Yep. Another big benefit we saw or I saw going to, to ham over CB is where we wheel in Florida. It's not not necessarily as remote as it is here or up where you are. So we're getting a lot of other traffic coming in on CBs. So we we go to a park, we go to a place, we pick a frequency and. All we hear, no offense to anyone, is Venezuelan dump truck drivers. Yeah, yeah. They got their radios tuned up, and it sounds like they're in a, in a, in a lunchbox, and it's just <laughs> awful, and you can't get away from it. And right. 
It's just that the ham is is more of a well, professional level of communication. Sure. Everybody uses an etiquette. There's there's no cussing, and it's you know, it's it's more professional. It's it's better to use. I feel there there are so many benefits to it. Um, for instance, at, at Winrock here um, during our event. Uh, for the most part. Now, the little Bay of Pains struggle to do it, but like my base radio, I've got an inexpensive base radio. I can be on any trail in this park and contact somebody who can yeah. just just over the radio. Yeah. There is no way that's happening. No, I, I noticed there's a repeater here close there, to there the park. Is, yeah. uh, but in all honesty, we've never used it, and we've still been able to communicate yeah. everywhere. Yeah. We, everywhere. Just using Simplex. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in that aspect alone, you know, the, the uh, not needing the line of sight like you do with, with citizen bands. Yeah. Make, it makes a huge Yes, it sure does, uh, yeah. Even on a trail where, where people get stretched out over mm-hmm. a, a mile. Yeah. Uh, the guy in front can still hear the guy oh, in the yeah. back. Oh, yeah, yeah, easy, so. yeah. And, and, and we're seeing more and more events. Um, I, I know some of the TLCA events up north, are we're, they're running two channels. They're running a, a staff channel. Well, three channels, actually. Sometimes they'll run a staff channel, and then they'll run an emergency channel, and then every group has their own channel. Right. So we've th- been this known, way, if someone has a, a, a medical issue. We've been known issue. to do that on, on trail rides here. I'll leave my, my base radio on our club's normal frequency, yeah. and then I'll tune my bay band to whoever I'm yeah. trailing with, whoever, if I'm trail leading or if somebody else is and I'm, I'm tailing, then we'll have our own sure. frequency. Yeah. Be able to communicate yeah. with each other. Yeah. And there's a ton of sense in, in doing it this sure. way. And th- this is something a CB can't do no. at all. So uh, I think as more and more people gather at these events, and it seems like the Toyota community, and, and, and just coming to this event and looking around, the Toyota community seems to still be alive and strong. And the, the, the you know newer vehicles are, are becoming you know m- more, more seen absolutely you know they're absolutely. they're more well represented and and i think it's a good sign that you know the community isn't dying or dwindling off and if anything it's maturing it's evolving it's 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 moving forward i think we're seeing a lot of young blood get into the hobby as well i think a lot of these newer vehicles like the fjs and the forerunners are becoming more affordable for sure. younger people to get sure. into and realize what's out there yeah yeah it uh, it's definitely a growing community. It's by no means stagnant. Uh, Rich and I have talked about it in previous episodes. The division between the newer trucks and the older ones is a bit frustrating for me. I don't know why they can't all just get along. <laughs> but that's it. it it's, uh, but I'm not feeling that here. No, not at all. Uh, this, this is this is a great event. This is Appalachian Toyota Roundup for anybody that's just sort of realizing what we're doing and where we are. Uh, we're doing the podcast from the event, um, and I think I don't think I've seen a '70 series, but I've probably seen every other kind of American or North American Land Cruiser represented here. At least one, or a Land Cruiser family. Right. right. <laughs> because the you know the FJ Cruiser is sort of that drunk uncle of the Land Cruiser family. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> not that I disagree with you at all. But. It's in the Land Cruiser family, but it is not branded a Land Cruiser. That, that's I think probably the fairest 
thing. I think that's the most common ground everyone can can agree with. That's why I say the drunk uncle, because you're sort of related, but you don't want to admit it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Only on a good day. Only on a good day, right. Only when he gives you a birthday present. But um, I think there's also a nice spread here from anything from stock vehicles to some seriously modified stuff. Um, yeah. The diesel 4Runner that's going around comes to mind. Uh, there's a couple of diesel Land Cruisers as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a right-hand drive uh, yeah. FJ40. That's that's diesel. Uh, where, what country did that one come from? That's Hunters. Uh, yeah, that's Hunters. Um, uh, where did that? It was imported from. Hunter's going to shoot me. <laughs> well, luckily, he's out on the trail and he uh, can't. Hear. Right. Right. A few days. Yeah. You won't hear until next week. Well, being it's right-hand drive, it came from one of the colonies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm wrong. Said it's it, okay. Said it about it's okay. Yeah. Well, I want to ask both of you guys, since I neither one of you have been here before, and I've bragged this park up. And I know, Dan, you haven't been out on the trail since you No, know. no, not yet. Uh, what, what do you think of just the facilities here at the campgrounds? It looks very nice. Can, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's very nice. The, the, the campgrounds, the cabins, they look clean. They look well-maintained. Um, the campground here is nice. Um, the big pavilion that we're able to use. Um, I uh, have kind of question myself over as much as I've talked about about Windrock, whether maybe I've over, oversold it to people and, and bragged it up a little bit too much or, or uh, whether it's what I make it out to be. So, um, As far as events, uh, event venues that I've been to, because let's, let's say that this is an event venue. I mean, it is a park you can just go to whenever you sure, want. But absolutely. to hold an event here, you know, they got an enormous pavilion. Uh, well, maybe not enormous. It's, it's a good-sized pavilion. The, as, as Dan pointed out, the cabins. Uh, now we rented a cabin, and we've got um, uh, it's two floors, uh, and there's a, a, a master bedroom upstairs that has its own bathroom, and um, then bunk beds downstairs right. and a pull-out couch. And uh, I feel bad for the guy on the pull-out couch because I don't care where you are, I don't care if you're at the the Hilton or right. or, or what. A pull-out, a pull-out couch, couch is still a bar, couch, right. right? It's still a bar going across your back right. all night. So, you know, there's that. But um, the, the cabin we got had uh, linens and towels and dishes and a dishwasher. And, uh, of course, we're still arguing over who's doing the dishes. But, um, <laughs> you know, some things won't change no matter how much luxury you throw right. in. But, um, but, but uh, you know, for the price and us all splitting it and, and the fact that we've got it for the weekend, I mean, uh, you know, refrigerator, everything. Everything is there. And... Um, you know, other than fighting over, you know, the, the, the simple things that roommates fight over. Um, it, it is absolutely great. Uh, very comfortable, very clean. It looks like things are pretty new. I don't think those cabins are very old at all. No, those there are, are less than two years old, the yeah. one that, that you guys are yeah. So I would highly recommend, I mean, it's family-friendly. There's certainly, you know, uh, a good environment where I think, you know, kids can run around and, and be kids and sure. and, and stuff like that. Um, there's a general store on the property. And, and the funny thing is, is so we're used to things being so remote. Um, this feels very remote. This feels like you're in the middle of yeah. nowhere. But in reality, there's there's a gas station and a, a grocery store three miles away. There's, you know, hotels and, and all that kind of stuff, right. too. But you, you really have to be nuts. To, this is actually nicer than a hotel, these cabins here. They have air conditioning and... And a, and a back porch with a swing, and you know, right? Um, so, no. yeah, I, I couldn't imagine coming out here to an event and then going back to town every night. No. No. E- extinguishing that excitement of 
being yeah. at the event to go be at a motel. That, yeah. But right. Teach right. his own. I mean, I understand that some people don't camp and that kind of stuff. Yeah, or they're not very social or something. Right. right. But to come here, be in the scene, and interact with other owners, especially if they're the same vehicle as you, uh, to stay on the premises is the best way to do that. Sure, because, sure. You know, uh, well, that's what these events are about, is the, the so, social yeah. atmosphere. It's huge. And, yeah. I mean, sitting around the campfire at night is where, like, you get the best ideas, really. Right. And, and you know, not, not necessarily that everybody's hooting and hollering and drinking beer all night. There's, there's always those guys. Guys, but uh, for the most part, you know, a lot of us are just relaxing around the campfire sure. and, and, and talking and talking about trips we want to go on and, and, and making plans for the future, other events we want to attend. And that's what the community is about. And, and, and geez, there's so many people I've met online that I come to the event and, and I'll recognize them or they'll recognize me. And, and now we've got a connection. Right. Now I know someone in real life. Right. Now I'll probably go to an event with a person, you know, that I met that way. And, and, and that's what the networking is all about. You know, um, we do a lot of web wheeling, right? I do. Yeah, I, we do quite a bit of web wheeling. Um, but then you come here and you realize, well, that all just brings it all together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, this should be the end result of all that, yeah. you know, or, or the yes. end goal of all that, yes. rather, is right. to, to uh, inevitably meet all the people that you've talked yep. to and, and interacted with yep. through social or media or, or, or whatever. Yeah, and like Rich said, get ideas for events, for projects, sure. but also seeing other people's vehicles, what they have done. Oh, like yeah. what I saw yesterday on your truck. Great idea. I'll be looking for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just yeah. going around looking at other yeah. people's. That's where I got my ideas. I wish I could be the guy that said I thought of, you know, yeah. maybe one or two things I might have done, but then I forgot them. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the worst of it is you can get a bit overwhelmed with ideas yeah. at, at a deal like this because there, there's so much diversity between, like you said, everything from, from stock trucks to totally wild yeah. built crazy stuff that you come up with so many ideas that you don't really know which direction and what the best best thing is the plus side of it is if you interact with people and, and socialize you can learn directly from them in real world yeah. conditions what works and what doesn't yep. and what's for show and what's my standard not. question is so how do you like this setup or right. how do you like what you're running there and you get to hear it all, the ups and the downs. Right. And, yep. and, and from an e- economic standpoint, you know, a lot of people get into this and they think the first thing they need to do is take out a small loan to, to kit their truck up. And you come here and you look and you see what people are doing and you'll see people come up with really creative ideas that don't cost a lot of money that achieve the same or a better end goal than some fancy bolt-on piece of equipment. Right. And and um, I, I have to say, you know, sometimes simpler is is better and and i've certainly picked that up here you know uh just by going to these events and, and this event here today too you know i've looked at a couple of rigs and been like wow that is just such a simple idea for a problem that i was making such a big deal about right yeah. we've got some vendors here uh selling some their their fine wares of course steve springs from southeast overland will be joining us later he's he's got a uh, enormous tent I am really impressed at this event with the vendor setup that yeah. is here. I, I have never attended an, attended an event where there was this many vendors with things on display. I, I mean, I, I, I've been to events where vendors attended the yeah. event, but they didn't promote their, their product and their business the way that it is here. This is uh, really, really cool. I, I'm glad to see this and... and 
I took the uh, I took the recovery class from Steve yesterday, uh, which was two hours. I have not met Steve before, but he's really into it, and he seems like he could talk two weeks on just recovery sure. and not repeat the same thing. Right. Once. And um, it was very informative, even though it was only two hours. You know, um, it, yeah. It, it was very nice, and Steve is a nice guy, and he said, you know, if you have any questions, come to the booth, ask me whenever. I don't care if you buy anything or not, and that's that's the right attitude. I right. Think, well, know. you know, we've said before that, that Steve's main goal yeah. is customer service. Yeah. And whether that's customer service over products or ideas or uh, it doesn't matter. Just answering questions. Just answering and questions. And that's the right attitude. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. He is, he is the go-to guy and probably uh, hands down at least one of the top three in, in the Toyota community. And he doesn't just deal with Toyotas, but he definitely supports yeah. this community. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah. And, and when you see the same vendors at these events, it's like seeing an old friend. Right. Too, you yeah. know? right. And, and, and let me tell you, when you come to these events to buy stuff, not only are you getting free shipping, <laughs> you're getting instant gratification right. yeah, yeah. and you are still saving a, a good deal off of the retail prices right. you see on the website and yeah, mo- most all these guys are, are cutting breaks event pricing and yes. discounts yes. and, stuff, so. and, and if, you're, if you're trying to outfit a rig and you come to an event I think the money you save will definitely offset the cost of the event sure you know uh, by far Especially if you win something in the raffle. Especially if you win something in the raffle, which I don't believe any of us did. None of us did. <laughs> well, our, our buddy and, and good listener and, and friend of the show handles the, the Instagram account and that kind of stuff, Jamie Murphy. One, Jamie cleaned up last night. won twice. Yes. See, I, so, I think it's rigged now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie has come out. Jamie bought a... a, a, a GX470, the, the Lexus yeah. 470s, uh, several months ago for his wife. And that boy has cleaned up on raffle prizes for outfit, <laughs> outfitting that 470. Uh, whether it's stuff that he's won for it or other people have won, that he's got a bargain for yeah. buying stuff. I, I'm proud for the guy, but uh, nothing like building a truck for free. So. <laughs> Um, everyone recognizes your ringtone. Yeah, yeah, because it. You're gonna have up, to change. Shows it up in about every episode. So. <laughs> it's not the theme song to the podcast. That's what I. I wonder if Apple would sue me over that. Why? Well, it's an Apple ringtone. Uh oh. Oh. Probably. If they have a, if Apple can find a way to sue you, they're gonna. I am sure they, they will. would. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're good at that. They will, and they'll win. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We're have the, the little guy. <laughs> I, I don't have the money to battle Apple. I, I would just over a ringtone. <laughs> Fold. Sorry, Apple. We misused Steve Jobs. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um. <laughs> What's the plans for today? We're gonna. Um, go out on a listener ride, although I think all our listeners got bored and already ran off on some trails. But I know I see a few kicking around that are probably uh, uh, looking to uh, you know, hang out with us. And, and I think in a few minutes, uh, Steve Spring's going to walk over, so you know, maybe we should uh, maybe we should, should press stop. And yeah, we can. It's my cue. 
We told Dan he could stay until someone more interesting came over. Right. <laughs> so far, nobody has, so thanks for hanging around. <laughs> <right. laughs> Special guest, Dan, whose name we still mess up when we try and... and Second and, choice. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't our first, but you're here, so... No, no. In reality, we, we, we actually discussed that you were going to be here, and because we've... You know, uh, we, we trying to make amends yeah, for mutilating your, your your family crest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have three months to practice. <laughs> we figured at least you'd be able to get your your fifteen minutes of fame. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Although, if this is your fifteen minutes of fame, I'm I'm so you, sorry. You are on the C list now. Yeah. <laughs> you may want to just consider that move to Australia. For yeah, good. I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> Some guys make it internet famous. Being on this show. You're just internet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, again, just want to say thanks to Dan and, and Dan. I know you'd made us a bet that uh, that uh, we had to pronounce your name at, at Roundup, and neither uh, neither Rich or I stepped up to do that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to do it now either. You know who you are, buddy, and, and we uh, we appreciate you being being on the show and, and like I said, giving us a few minutes. So thanks, Icky. <laughs> did we give him a patch he did get one he did get okay because i would feel horrible if he didn't get a patch at least at least a patch yeah i i felt bad he uh he asked me for a t-shirt and i was actually sold out in his size um, yeah so, as tell, tell him he's got to lay off the big max <laughs> when uh when the next round comes in i'll make sure he gets one so um all right mo- moving on before that we have a five-hour episode here not that that uh, we care a lot about how long they run anymore but uh moving yeah, y'all on. can y'all can press pause right right <laughs> um which one do you want to do next here rich um how about our buddy from uh mr oliver from uh highlands expedition outfitters he was he was a super nice guy okay yeah well we can do that one uh you want to go and go ahead and introduce it a little bit or just run the interview um, well, basically, uh, j- j- just for a little bit of background, um, Jeff Oliver from Highland Expedition Outfitters was there um, with some all-aluminum handmade expedition trailers uh, that he, he had on display and, and for sale. Uh, he only had one trailer with him. I think it's a little hard to just drag a bunch of trailers around with you, but um, handmade, all in the USA, all-aluminum um, they start out at 500 pounds. So we're talking about a very lightweight trailer, uh, which is, and very strong, uh, the way he builds them. And even the frame is aluminum and they all come with a lock and roll hitch. So they, they really are an impressive piece of machinery. And he's going to talk a little bit about his business and his product. And, uh, you'll find, uh, he'll, he'll tell you all about the website where you can go view it and all that kinds of good stuff. So here he is. Okay, sitting down with us now is Jeff Oliver. Uh, Jeff, I'm sorry, uh, Rich brought you over here, and I don't remember the name of your business. So, it's a Highland Expedition Outfitters. Oh, okay. Uh, let Let's get into you guys built trailers. Yes, we do. Is that right? Yes. Um, let's talk about that for for just a little bit. Tell uh, Tell everybody a little bit about how you got started in it and and where the business is at now, if, if you don't mind, real quick. Not a problem. Um, Back in the 70s, early 70s, I worked for Airstream um, travel trailers and um, fell in love with aluminum. And um, uh, about three years ago, 
um, I saw a need for a lightweight Overland trailer and I thought aluminum and um, so I used a lot of that experience to develop the aluminum trailers we build for the Overlanders okay and, and you know obviously it's not vehicle specific but it is an answer for those people who have underpowered tow vehicles and there's quite a few out there and, and you guys build those in-house yes we do completely yes all u.s made all u.s made um, actually they're built start to finish by myself and right. so i know the quality from beginning to end and bit and finish and and uh when it rolls out the, the front door i'm very confident that it's going to hold up in any western or eastern northeastern trail <laughs> right uh, what kind of features do you load into the trailers? Is it a, a a la carte sort of whatever you want, or do you pre pre make them a certain? Well, if I pre make something, it rarely sells. Mm. So I I talk to the people, figure out what they are going to use the trailer for, and build it specifically for that use. So if they're just going to be driving um, forestry roads, we won't beef it up as good as if they were going to do the Continental Divide Trail. You start with a steel frame? Everything's aluminum. Everything. Everything frame. is aluminum. Wow. That's yes. great. Yeah. Cool. And that's how we can pull off the smallest trailer we build coming in at 550 pounds, including the tent. That's a light trailer. It's that's a very, very light trailer. trailer. That's a light trailer. Yes. Wow. 125 pounds. Wow. And uh, what size tires do you ship with and what size tires do people commonly put on? We put a, a 31 inch tire and we have put on as big as a 37 inch tire. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that required a little bit of modification. I it bet. does, it does. Um, but we achieve our ground clearance with a, uh, uh, a torsion axle. Mm -hmm. So we'll take our trailing arms and point them downwards, which shoots the trailer up. And with a 31 inch tire, we've got 18 inches of ground clearance. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's great. great. And uh, That's for, better than most of the tow vehicles probably. Oh yes, yeah. And um, if if a, an individual wants to do some heavy heavy rock crawling, we can upgrade to a timber and axless off road suspension. Wow, mm -hmm. very nice. And uh, what kind of couplers are you using? We use a, a lock and roll yeah, axis coupler. Very familiar with that. It's a great product. It is a very nice product. It's easy to hook up. Uh, it it articulates very well. Um, what kind of advice would you offer to someone who is thinking about getting an expedition or an off-road trailer? I would suggest um, looking at buying from him. Well, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. That. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> My suggestion is to keep it simple. Um, when you have all the um, a, a trailer that's built like a Swiss Army knife, then all those features are taking up room for your own personal gear. What we build is a um, um, something where you can customize it yourself, or we can customize it for you, but still have lots of room for um, the gear that you want to haul in. Sure. And uh, and and we like to um, suggest that. People overlanding think like a backpacker. Keep it light. Keep it simple. Absolutely. So, um, uh, our 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 biggest thing that we like to uh, push is how lightweight the trailer is, and uh, with the 
the interview with Steve, you're talking about your gas mileage with your FJs. Well, if you're pulling a heavy trailer, that's even going right. to hurt. Make it worse. Right. Absolutely. And and you're not only driving off road, but you have to drive on road to get to your off road right. trailhead. Yes. And and you want to conserve that fuel to get there. And that's where our trailers really come in. That that's where they really shine. Absolutely. And it is tough to have that balance because I think it, especially in the Northeast, where uh, with, with just legislation, we have trouble finding places to go have fun. You know, I have to drive a few states over, and I and just about everyone I know that lives local to me is in the same boat. We yeah. drive a few states over. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they go to Canada because we're, we're closer. Um, but but yeah, we need that balance of yeah. street manners, mm-hmm. weight management. And still having some com- some level of comfort. I mean, if I want to back, if I want to sleep on the ground, I can back back in my backyard. <laughs> right, right. You know, so you're, you're traveling. You want to have, uh, a, you know, some degree of comfort. I mean, that does kind of the fun of it is is maintaining that balance too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot to be said about a happy camper. Yes. If, if you have a really poor night's sleep. Your next day's not, not may not be very pleasant. Right, 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 and, right. And sleeping in a, a rooftop tent on a mattress, you know, it's yeah. a, certainly a step ahead of sleeping on a rock. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a really good point. Um, one thing we, we, we talked about on a past episode is, is, is the best tool in your toolbox is is your mind, is yeah. you. Yeah. And, and keeping you sharp, you know, whether it's staying hydrated, getting a good night's sleep, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a situation where, you, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere for, for a week or two weeks or a month or longer. I don't want to say, you know, pacing yourself, but in a way it is. You, the, the comfort does add a degree of, of sharpening to your mind because sure. you're totally not, agree. no one can work exhausted. No one can work de- dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, um, took a 14 hour ride here and it certainly was you know when i was 21 that that was a lot easier yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately uh you know fatigue leads to mistakes and sometimes mistakes can be fatal so. yeah right and that's 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 the one thing and, and uh so maybe a rooftop tent could save someone's life there you indirectly go indirectly i love it <laughs> You got anything else, Rich? I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. Really unfamiliar with with off road trailers. It's something that I've always wanted to uh, to investigate a little bit. I think and Jeff would love to show you around what I, he's got over there. Definitely, be, I would be I checking would. it out. And, and, and uh, what it does for for the uh, the overlanders create a base camp. So they have all their gear, or most of it, I should say, because most overlanding vehicles lack in gear storage sure yeah whether you're driving an fj um uh or a jeep or or a land especially with the jeeps especially with the jeeps and now you've got a place to store your gear drop your trailer spare parts yes tools tools drop your trailer open your tent now you've created a base camp now you take off and go wheeling without worrying about the tent if you have it mounted on the top of your vehicle, right. getting in the branches, um, so um, that—that's the nice thing about having a trailer. Right. Yeah. Well, I will definitely be. Thank you. Che- checking y'all out before 
before we all get out of here for excellent for the event. So yeah, I think we're about to take a trail ride soon. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you hanging out? You well, more than welcome to join us on a trail ride. I'm I'm I am hanging out here chasing the shade. And you certainly will be chasing it. Because yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to disappear here shortly today. But So, Jeff, uh, do you have a website and Facebook? Tell us your, your information in case some of our listeners okay, want to find great. you. It's um, heoutfitters.com. And uh, you can go to our website and see a lot of pictures, the uh, price list of uh, the trailers and the options we can put on it. If you don't see an option that we have listed, let us know. We'll work, try to work it in for you. All right. Um, we have a Facebook page that we can certainly put more pictures on them, you know, faster than we can on our website. Yeah. And um, we have a pretty decent following, and uh, we've been we've been doing this for three years, and uh, we're we're very excited about what we build. That passion says a lot. It, it is. It is. I mean, I love getting in the shop and firing up the welder and and laying down dimes. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great attitude to have. <laughs> my, my welds tend to look more like chains scattered on the floor. Bubble gum. Bubble gum, <laughs> Lots yeah. Of bubble gum. Yeah. yeah, my welds look the same. But, um, uh, Jeff, thanks a lot for, thank for you. taking some time and, and uh, thank you telling for us about me. your product and your company. Appreciate it. Thank you. Jeff's on to something good here. Yeah. We'll thanks, be, guys. Yeah, this we'll has be been lots out. of fun. All right. Appreciate it. Thank yep. you. And that was Jeff Oliver from Highland Expedition Outfitters. Check him out on heoutfitters.com. Okay. We promised you guys a ton of content from Appalachian Toyota Roundup, and we have delivered on that um, so much to the, to the point that we are going to have to do things a little bit different this time and release this content in two episodes. Otherwise, we're going to have a five hour long episode so we will call this the end of episode 19 appalachian toyota roundup part a uh part b will be following soon so uh stay tuned it will be released directly all right thanks